Bonjour et bienvenue. You are listening to You Are So French, Success Stories à la Française. The podcast talking about success stories of French people in Australia. I am Aurélie, I'm from France and I've been living in Melbourne for many years. Since my beginnings down under, I've always been passionate about hearing the stories of my fellow French who found their place, their mission or their purpose so far away from their homeland. I always have so many questions to ask them. Did they have a dream when they moved to Australia? Or did their aspiration develop with their life here? And really, how did they make it happen? Our guest will share what it means to undertake a project out of their comfort zone, the cultural differences they faced, and how being French in Australia has been a bonus, or perhaps sometimes a challenge, in their endeavors. I invite you to follow inspiring journeys into different fields, entrepreneurship, personal development, relationship, or career, to name only a few. While everyone has his own definition of success and ways to reach it, courage, determination, confidence, and intuition seem to always be part of the recipe, the achievement of something positive. This is what success stories mean here and what we will discuss, with passion, honesty, and of course, a bit of an accent, in three words, à la française. Bonjour et bienvenue in the season two of You Are So French, the podcast. Enough teasing. Today, we are launching this new season with Olivier David. From his first connections made through music to his professional experiences at the Swatch Group, L'Oréal, and the West Australian Ballet, Olivier's journey in Australia has always been led by his heart's beats, his passion for the arts, the pleasure he takes in helping others, and love, love with a big L, have been the drivers to create his happy Australian life. We recorded this episode in Melbourne and in Perth. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of this lands, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and the Wujak Nunga people. We pay our respect to the elders past, present and emerging. Bonne écoute. Bonjour Olivier. Bonjour Aurélie. Thank you so much to be my guest today. Before we start, I need to share a little disclaimer. I know I'm going to make you feel very comfortable straight away. I need to share a disclaimer because you're not just a guest, you are also a very special person to me because you are one of those who made my Australian journey possible. And for that, I'm very grateful to you. And I know that you did that not only with me, but with other French people. And this is something I want to touch on a bit later in our conversation. But to start, so we get to know you a bit better, I would like you to take us back to your first day or your first days in Australia. Take us back in time and tell us when it was, where, why, mm -hmm. what was your dream at this time? How did it start? So my Australian journey started uh, actually when I was living in Hong Kong already. I met my uh, uh, Australian Hong Kong partner um, when I was working in, uh, in Hong Kong in 2009. And uh, for me at that time, I had lived in Hong Kong for almost uh, eight years. And um, with my partner, we were not projecting ourselves living there for, for too long. And uh, we were discussing where, where to live next. So we had Singapore in mind. I've lived um, 15 years in Asia, so Singapore was one uh, one country um, uh, I was interested in uh, in living in. 
London uh, also um, was a, a city we were planning to go. Geneva was another option. And um, Australia, uh, my partner had to study um, also some medical administration and uh, had to do some, some works uh, here in, in Australia. So we decided to move to, to Australia. And my partner said, you love arts and music, let's move to Melbourne. <laughs> it's a great city for the art. I didn't know Melbourne at all. At that time, uh, I only knew Sydney, where I had the opportunity to, to come for, for holiday. I didn't know Melbourne and um, we worked on my visa in, in Hong Kong and uh, I got my visa sooner than expected. And so we decided to, to leave. That was in December 2011, a week before Christmas. My partner moved a couple of uh, months uh, earlier and, um, and I arrived uh, so just before Christmas 2011. I didn't know anyone when I when I arrived in um, in Melbourne. I quickly met uh, people in in the arts, um, which was uh, really uh, fantastic, and we've built up a fantastic uh, group of uh, of friends uh, over time. In your option of city to go after Hong Kong, yeah. I noticed that France, I mean cities and and countries, France wasn't part of the mix. <laughs> Correct. So. My partner doesn't speak French, and uh, and you know to live in French as a non-French speaker, it can be can be hard. Professionally, I, uh, we thought that may not be the best option, which is why we were thinking about London because you're just uh, a train ride from uh, from from Paris. So I think for me it would have been also a good uh, a good option to be closer to my family and friends. Yet you know living in an international uh, city where my partner could uh, could have work. And you said when you arrived quickly, you started to meet people in the arts. How did you meet these people? And did you try specifically to meet people in that field because you had other plan in mind? I played the organ and uh, when when I arrived in Melbourne, I met uh, someone who was uh, part of the Society of Organists in Victoria. I was interested about, uh, you know, where, where to play uh, in, in, in Melbourne, what type of um, instruments maybe I could have access to. And um, she told me, you should, uh, you should go to um, uh, Scott's Church uh, on, on Collins Street. So you, you may find uh, the, the organist and director of music, uh, Douglas Lawrence. And uh, uh, off I go, I go to the church, uh, the organist was playing and um, I met uh, Douglas and I started to discuss about you know, what I was uh, doing in France, what type of um, organ I had the opportunity to, to play. And I was very lucky in France. I studied with the organist of uh, Saint-Sulpice uh, Church, Sophie-Véronique uh, Cochefer-Choplin. And, uh, and Douglas proposed me to, to invite her for a, uh, an international concert series the, the following year in, um, in Melbourne. And I was so surprised. I just arrived in Melbourne a week earlier and um, somehow was able to bring... Uh, you know, my, my dear friends and the fantastic organist in, in Melbourne the following year. That was, uh, I think, for me, a very uh, rewarding start in, in my journey in Melbourne. Uh, so I arrived in December 2011, and in January 2012, um, I was invited to a, a Chinese New Year dinner organized by uh, Musica Viva. During that uh, dinner, I met fantastic um, musicians, uh, pianists, violinists, people in the arts, and uh, and I was very quickly adopted by uh, this group of people and ended up having very, you know, very good friends in the art scene uh, through, through Music Aviva. That was also an, another very important uh, connection when I arrived uh, in, in Melbourne. 
And thanks to this early connection, did you feel at home straight away in Melbourne? What what were your first impressions, like the first month living in Melbourne? Uh, well, I arrived in Melbourne just before Christmas, but somehow my partner had to go back to Hong Kong just a few days after I landed because his grandmother passed away. So I literally arrived in a city I didn't know. And, um, you know, I was by myself for Christmas and uh Uh, d during that week, which was a bit um, uh, a, a bit uh, challenging, but I was also invited by um, the organist of um, uh, of Scott's Church, uh, Douglas Lawrence, who kindly invited me to his uh, Christmas lunch. I felt good. I think the 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 kind of European architecture of Melbourne helps you to appre appreciate the the city, and uh, that reminds you a bit of uh, a bit of Europe. We obviously have the Paris end of uh, Collins Street. It's not really Paris, but it's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a good start. This is uh, what we tell ourselves when you, when, <laughs> when you feel too homesick. <laughs> yes. You want right. to convince yourself, oh, we have the Paris end. So, you know, nice architecture, uh, very good, uh, you know, uh, restaurants and uh, an art scene. Um, it, it's really a plus for, you know, for a city like Melbourne to help you to uh, uh, quickly be very at ease in, in this uh, fantastic city. A lot of your personality and your interests are what we can say very French, you know, in the sense that You like art, you like refined things, you have taste for beautiful things. And I know that you really appreciate and enjoy the French culture. Yet, I think you actually never lived in France really as an adult. Am I right? Yeah, correct. Hardly, actually. I left France. I was 21 years old and uh, I moved to Tokyo at that time. Uh, you know, in France, instead of doing your military service, I had the possibility to work for a private company uh, overseas. I moved to, to Tokyo. I was 21. That was really a big, a big change for me. Um, that was the first time I, you know, I was living by myself. I started, you know, my first job. Didn't know the language. I didn't know the, the culture. So it was a very big culture shock when I arrived, but it was absolutely uh, a fantastic experience. So yeah, I've lived um, six years in Tokyo, a couple of years in New York. Uh, that was also a fantastic uh, experience and, uh, and, and a great city to live when you're in your 20s. Um, and then eight years in Hong Kong, 10 years in Melbourne, and uh, I moved now to Perth a couple of years ago. And I just work, I think, three or four years in, in Paris in between. So obviously, yes, most of my uh, adult uh, life has been overseas. You think one day you will ever live in France? I know it's the million dollars question for all of us. <laughs> I know. I don't want to say never. You know, I, I thought I would never go further east than Japan. And I uh, ended up uh, a bit further uh, south than of, of France. I don't want to say never. I really, uh, you know, love the lifestyle that we have here in, in Australia. I think we're very privileged. Um, we, we have a, a space. Uh, we have a fantastic weather. Maybe not so much for you in Melbourne already, but uh, not here today. in Perth. <laughs> Uh, we got 36 degrees here today in, in Perth. Uh, we're very lucky here. I don't see myself living again in France, especially, uh, you know, with, with my partner. We have family here in, uh, in, in Australia. What would be good eventually would be to be able to spend, uh, you know, the summer in France, like let's say from uh, May, June to September, October um, in the Northern Hemisphere and, uh, and living the rest of the year in, in Australia. I think that would be my, uh, my dream lifestyle. Sounds good. I think I heard that before. <laughs>
<laughs> from Melbourne. <laughs> so let's go back to Melbourne and your your first month in Australia. You were studied to have a great connection in the art, but in terms of your goals, your objective, even professionally, what were your plans and what happened? So every time I moved country, that was because of uh, work. You know, I, I moved from Paris to Tokyo, then uh, uh, New York, <clears throat> went back to, to Tokyo 10 years after in 2001, and then got transferred to Hong Kong. And uh, that was always driven by uh, a professional opportunity. Um, my move to Melbourne was uh, just to, to be with my partner and, um, and to follow my partner. So that was at that time a very big leap of faith. You know, I had to resign from my job in uh, in Hong Kong and uh, arrived here. I had a visa that would allow me to to work, but uh, I found my first year pretty challenging professionally. It took me some time to to break in the market here in in Australia when I uh, when I arrived. Uh, do you know why it was challenging? Because, I mean, you already had a strong experience, a very good profile. So yeah. did you understand why it was difficult? Oh, I think most likely people didn't know where to fit me you know when you've worked for um, you know large I've worked for large uh, multinational companies in Paris Tokyo Tokyo New York uh, and, and and Hong Kong they were wondering like you know why <laughs> why they're moving to Australia so I think that first maybe impression was uh, really not uh, helping me yeah then I, I I found this opportunity at uh, at the Swatch group as uh, as you know uh, already um, which this was is, uh, this is yes. how we met <laughs> this is how we met correct um, and that that role was uh, quite similar to the roles I I, um, I had when I was in in Asia in, in Tokyo and Hong Kong. So it was a, a great fit uh, for me, and it was eventually a very very rewarding experience. Yeah. So in uh, your Australian journey, you had first this experience at the SWAT Group, which is a Swiss company, mm -hmm. and then you moved to the big French company L'Oréal. Mm -hmm. So really, with these two experiences, you work for international French-speaking companies, but in the Australian market. Mm -hmm. I guess especially L'Oréal because it's French. How did you find like this mix of culture? And you said you work only a few years in France, but working for a French company in Australia. So L'Oréal is a is a very international company. Actually, at the Swatch Group, we had uh, yeah a few. Uh, Frenchies in, at the office, so it was many French and Australian. For L'Oréal uh, here in Australia, it's so the the head office. Uh, it's really a, a big building, and and you have so many nationalities: French, uh, Australian, uh, New Zealander. You have um, American, uh, Canadian. You you have lots of different nationalities. So it it was a fantastic uh, environment. I've always you know wanted to. To live and work in an international environment, so uh, I uh, I think uh, yeah, L'Oréal was also a fabulous uh, experience for for that. But even when I worked in Paris, I worked uh, in with a European team at that time. I used to work for Thomson Multimedia, and uh, and we were working on a European project. I had Swedish colleagues and Italian colleagues, so it was a German boss at that time. So I've always you know worked in that international work environment, and I love it. You are very connected um, in the arts. You have a huge interest in everything arts, culture. You work in the luxury industry. So you really 
gravitate around all of these things that we often associate with France. Do you think that being French was ever an advantage? Look, I don't think it was an advantage being French. I mean, in terms of, you know, work opportunities, it was more skill set based than just because I was, you know, French. Um, obviously, people like our French accents. I think that's really something <laughs> that uh, people appreciate. Have you never thought that it sparkles a bit people's interest? Just when you say, hello, I'm Olivier, and they know straight away you are, you are French, and straight away they maybe are more willing to know you and speak with you? I, I experienced this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Australians love traveling as well, so a lot of Australians have been to, to, to France. Um, so there's always uh, something to discuss about. It can be food, it can be uh, places they would have uh, visited in uh, in France it could be uh, music so there's always uh, a way to connect uh, with, with France obviously it can be with wines as well have you ever heard oh Olivier you are so French <laughs> yeah as uh, well as you mentioned I've lived most of my time overseas yet I still have a very strong French accent uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it's impossible to hide we know we have to keep it yeah. it can be very useful sometimes After L'Oréal, you made a big move on so many different levels, actually. Yeah, so in March 2020, you know, something called COVID happened in Australia. <laughs> so I was working for, for L'Oréal in, in Melbourne at that time, and uh, L'Oréal decided to uh, split, you know, company in two, Team A and Team B, uh, one week at home, one week at the office. And uh, my first week was uh, at the office. My second week was at home. I told my boss, look, do you mind if I work from Perth next week instead of from my home in, in Melbourne. My boss was aware at that time my partner had a new opportunity here in Perth uh, and it started in September 2019. So before COVID, we were living between, you know, Melbourne, Perth, uh, catching up potentially also in, in Sydney or Canberra, depending on um, travel opportunities. And so I moved to, to Perth for, for a week in March 2020, and that's when the borders closed. And um, I knew at that time that... Um, If I went back to Melbourne, I would not have been able to come back to, to WA. So that was a very uncertain time for us. And one week became one month and, uh, and uh, three months and six months. And for 15 months, I managed my team in Melbourne from Perth. So it was quite challenging, especially when it's for such a long period, you know, not being able to interact physically with your team, having your first call at six o'clock in the morning every day. Was, uh, was a bit uh, challenging and uh, was not really sustainable. So um, that time I also saw an opportunity to, to run the, the West Australian uh, ballet. And I, I love arts and, and music. And um, with my you know, background, I thought, oh, that would be a good fit. And uh, I've always you know, wanted to work in, um, in arts administration. So I threw my name in and, um, uh, and uh, yes, eventually uh, uh, got the job. And I was yeah, very fortunate to, uh, to run the, the West Australian Ballet for, uh, for about uh, 16 months. Yeah, so you move industries, you move um, cities, you change, mm -hmm. your, you change your life. You reinvented a bit your Australian life in Perth. Mm -hmm. At times you need to reinvent yourself, you know, especially when you change uh, a city, you know, usually it's not on, only relocating, it's usually also changing uh, activity. So you, you always need to, to reinvent yourself. Um, it can be quite exhausting and, uh, and that's why I really want to call Perth home. I thought Melbourne would be home and, you know, 
we moved to to Perth, but uh, I really want to settle down now and uh, and uh, and call Perth uh, home for a foreseeable future. What is incredible in Australia is you you still live in Australia, but you live three or four hours away from where you used to live before in Melbourne, Perth. Is yes, what? yes, yes. It's about yeah four hours. It's four hours flying. It's a completely different climate, a different landscape, different everything. Do you feel like you still live in the same country? Perth is a very isolated city. I mean, it's it's the most isolated city in the world. And uh, and I think living here, you, you realize how isolated we are, which is also a good thing because it's like living in another country, <laughs> living in, in Western Australia. Uh, you know, you can drive for hours and hours. Uh, you know, we drove to uh, Exmouth and, uh, and, and, and Brom or we, we drove to Albany. So you can really drive 5, 10, 15, 20 hours and still... Uh, you know, be within our state. Uh, yeah, it's a very different uh, way of, of living here compared to, to Victoria. Mm. I want to go back to what I was mentioning at the very beginning of our conversation, the help that you gave me when I arrived. And I, and I know that you help also other French people. What is your motivation? And, and actually, did you have this help as well when you arrived? Uh, so I didn't have that help when I arrived. Uh, I think... I like helping others and potentially because I've worked also so many years in customer service, I, I really, you know, I, I feel like I want to make people's life better and, you know, I feel good. I, I have that reward when, when people are uh, happy with, uh, with, uh, with our service, for example. I'm always very pleased if someone asks for, for my help. So I, I was really, um, you know, happy to, uh, to, to, to be uh, able to bring you, uh, you know, from, uh, from uh, France to, to Australia and to have helped you maybe to, you know, to settle in when, when you arrived. I, I didn't have that opportunity when I arrived, but uh, here in Perth, uh, I have a couple of friends who have also helped me, um, you know, during challenging times. Uh, and uh, it's really good to have a sounding board, you know, when, uh, when, you, when you have challenges in, in your life. So uh, I think it's, it's very important. Now I realize maybe you're going to get contacted by many people. <laughs> Do you have any connection already in the French community in Perth? I moved to Perth during COVID, so it was really difficult at that time to, you know, to, to go out and, uh, and meet people. Yeah, I know a few French people here. I've never really looked for, uh, you know, catching up with French community, but I don't think also French people live in communities like maybe some other, you know, nationalities. Um, we don't really live in community, so it's a bit harder to to meet uh, French uh, French people. Um, but uh, I met a few French through our consul honoraire uh, here in um, in Perth, uh, Frédéric Flippo, and through the Alliance Française uh, as well. If you had to choose a few milestones during your 12 years now in Australia, uh, uh, 11, years? 11 years, yes, 11, 11 years, years? This, this week actually. Yeah. Yes, 11 years. Wow. Oh, obviously. Uh, December 2011, when uh, when I arrived uh, uh, here in Australia, that's uh, you know you always remember the day you land in a in a in a new country. It's always very special. Um, that would be November 2012 when I started to work for 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 the Swatch Group, uh, which was also another uh, big uh, milestone for me. At the same time, I also joined the Musica Viva, uh, the Victorian Committee. That was also another big uh, milestone for 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 me. I felt like everything happened all at once at the end of uh, 2012. Obviously, also joining uh, L'Oréal and, and the West Australian Ballet uh, have been really big uh, milestones. 
And uh, what is next? I have a few projects uh, in mind. One uh, being also uh, uh, linked with uh, with the arts, which uh, you know it, it's a passion, and I, I cannot live without without arts uh, in my life. And uh, yes, and co consulting. Oh, I'm sure Olivier, you will find a way to do amazing things as mm. always. So we are reaching the end. So just to finish, I have a few questions. Mm -hmm. I call them the, the snap Q&A, mm -hmm. the question to answer, sweet, short, and sharp. What is the French word that you keep using even when you speak in English? Oh la la. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was still um, using this actually until uh, a friend of mine in Sydney uh, made a point and uh, laughed at, uh, at this expression. It's good. At least it's not a swearing word. <laughs> so what is the most French and the most Australian about you? I think the most French would still be my accent. And uh, and for me, you know, bread and cheese is really what uh, what I miss and what I what I want to have here. And what is the most Australian? Maybe that would be uh, doing a, a Barbie on Christmas Day. Yeah, that's quite Australian. <laughs> and last but not least, so everyone's definition of success is different. And this podcast is called success stories à la française, what will be your word to define your Australian success stories? For me, that would be to, you know, to live happily with my partner here in, in, in Australia. Obviously, uh, I moved here for, um, to live with my partner here in Australia. Uh, so the, 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 the goal was really to, to live together here and finding ways to live happily together and to have that, uh, that balance, you know, with, uh, with work and, uh, and life, which we have found here in, uh, in Australia. So the word will be love. <laughs> ah. Yes, it sounds corny. <laughs> I didn't want to say it that way. <laughs> so romantic. Again, yeah. so French. <laughs> yeah. Merci, Olivier. Merci, Aurélie. À bientôt. À bientôt. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and felt inspired to write your own success story, whatever you want it to be. You can find all the references in the note of the episode. I like hearing from you, so don't hesitate to share your feedback and suggest me new guests. You can find me on Instagram at youarsofrench.thepodcast or email me at youarsofrench.thepodcast at gmail.com. To finish, I would love it if you could help me make this podcast my success story by rating You Are So French, the podcast on your favorite streaming platform with stars, the more the better. You can also subscribe to never miss an episode and of course, tell your friends and family about it. Merci et à bientôt.